Welcome to MQA Sunday. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hold on. Rewind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to MQOA Sunday, conversations on Sunday's gospel readings around the kitchen table with Margo Morin and me, Charlie Joyce. I'm filling in for Stephen Antonio, who is on vacation this week. And today's gospel is Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, and then chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Welcome. Welcome back. Thanks. We're still out here on our own without Stephen, which, you know, has been terrible. We're all suffering from brokenheartedness and lack of sarcasm (laughs) in our daily lives, right? Yes, because we don't have any of that. Yes, right. (laughs) Right. It's been really hard to fill in that Stephen-shaped hole in our in our lives but he'll be back next week and uh that doesn't mean you can't come back charlie i just oh, want to say officially I hope not. no you've we've you've been wonderful so far all the, the whole um throwing me under the bus at the beginning of last week's episode notwithstanding oh. i'm happy that you're here again <laughs> I, and, I, I don't know what happened I, I, that was uh mm-hmm. don't no don't lie <laughs> and compound your sin charlie that's not a good idea it's not i'm just saying i don't forget that's but that's all it's not intentional is it a sin oh oh my gosh she's doubling down okay i have respect for that (laughs) so listener here we are back literally actually at our kitchen table and we are looking using the beta lesson which is our small group process here in the parish mary queen of the apostles uh and you can visit our website check out this lesson you can there's an online version there's a downloadable pdf version you can grab a couple of friends and have this conversation with them. And if you've already listened to this, you know all the stuff. So you'll come across looking right. super smart among your friends. So that's right. Yeah. Just hang with us here. Here's what we do. We'll do an icebreaker question. We'll read the gospel once, take a little minute of silence, read it again, and then we'll just have a conversation around it. Okay. All right. Okay. So Charlie... Tell us all, tell the listening audience uh, where you grew up and the first job you ever had. I grew up in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. About a medium-sized city on um, the eastern coast of North Carolina. My first job was working as a soccer referee. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. I refereed um, little kids' games. Oh, my goodness. So I was a soccer referee for I, uh, little kindergartners like up until... Like a town league like kind of thing. Eighth grade. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, I bet there was a lot of... I bet it was funny. Was it funny? <laughs> oh, it was, Kindergartners yes. playing soccer? It was hysterical because you just see a, a group of kids just all running together. Yeah. A, a, you know, towards the ball, mm-hmm. towards the soccer ball. Mm-hmm and with no regard to actual position ex- right right They're just <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah no it was hysterical hmm. did you like doing it did you I... is that a good good job <laughs> you know what um i'm not ashamed to say this <laughs> or maybe I really am. because you seem a little ashamed <laughs> but go ahead it paid very well oh yes okay well that's 
Okay, sure. Yes. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, my, I grew up in Topsom, Maine, which is next to Brunswick. And I usually have to tell people it's just north of Freeport. That's that's how everyone identifies where everything is in okay. Maine. So that's where I grew up. And the first time I ever had was scooping ice cream at Baskin Robbins. Oh, neat. Yeah. So I, I, I have a really good, I can do a, what, two and a half ounce scoop of ice cream. Perfect. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure like by the end of the summer, you had like I, biceps. Uh, yeah, I was like pretty, <laughs> pretty rugged. And also, I ate a lot of ice cream, so it, it balanced out. <laughs> okay. You know, I think we were allowed two scoops a, di- a shift. Oh. So, yeah. Free ice cream. Yeah, Sign right? Up. Right. Worth it. Right there. And uh-huh. it was a good job. It was fun. We had a lot of fun. Okay. So, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke today. Mm-hmm. And this old, is an interesting... Good old Luke. Yeah. Good old Luke. Back to, good to be back with Luke. Lukey Luke. Um, <laughs> and this is sort of a weird compound reading where we start at the very first verse of the gospel and then we skip ahead to the fourth um, chapter. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a gap and we'll talk about that. Yeah. But let's read it a couple of times. Do you want to go first? Sure. All right. A reading from the gospel of Luke. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have, that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the word have handed them down to us, I too have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went, according to his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, He handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Beautiful. Take a minute just to chew on that. Ask God maybe to point out some particular word or phrase or image that maybe God really wants you to hear this week. And I'll read it again. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning and ministers of the word have handed them down to us, 
I too have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went, according to his custom, into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. Okay. What did you hear this time? You've heard this before, probably, at some point in your life, yes, right? I, I have heard this before. Um, Anything stand out this time? Well, the, the the first thing that stands out to me is the fact that uh, these are two different passages <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Com that are combined. Right. And I... There's like a whole yada, yada, yada in the middle, <laughs> right? Like, here, this is about Jesus, yada, 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 yeah. synagogue, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, th I think um, whoever come you know, compiles the, whoever put the lectionary together yeah, uh, decided that these two passages would fit perfectly. Yeah. And, and they kind of do. You think? I guess that's because I've know, I know what happened before this. You know the rest of the story. I know the rest right? of the story. Yeah. So you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yada, yada, yada. I yeah. know what happened. Right. Yeah. He talks about, um, <coughs> Jesus returning to Galilee, mm -hmm. and so that makes me uh, that makes us question where was Jesus beforehand? Well, we know mm -hmm. that he was in Cana last week. That's <laughs> that's true. Although I think it is a little out of order, stories wise, mm -hmm. because what actually happens in the Gospel of Luke between these two things are are two stories, like a, a plot and a subplot. A plot about Jesus's life, the story of his life, mm -hmm. the annunciation of his birth, uh, the Mary's trip to see Elizabeth, the nativity, um, his baptism, and then his 40 days in the desert. And the uh -huh. subplot is about John the Baptist. So you hear, even before you hear about Jesus, you hear about John's birth foretold. You hear about... Um, oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. About John's ministry developing too mm -hmm. so what actual where he actually is was before he returned to galilee in the power of the spirit was in the desert oh yeah yeah okay so he came back from retreat on fire and ready to go and went back to synagogue oh. isn't that interesting that is interesting yeah well, it's addressed to, he's talking to Theophilus, right? Yeah. Do you know what, do you know what that word means? 
a lover of theology no a lover of god that's right yeah yeah so theophilus could be a real person named theophilus Mm -hmm. could be sort of to whom it may concern you christians or you lovers of god Mm -hmm. um it could be you or me depending on how you look at it right right you know what (laughs) this this is what struck me this time this whole first part where he's saying like, okay, I know you know this story, but I'm going to put it in order for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make sure it's down on paper so that you will see, you know, get the whole thing. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a Bible study nerd, right? <laughs> this is like, it's not, you know, it's not enough to just know the story. We need to get it in order. Right. We need to get it on paper. Let's get it down there so that you will all know the exact same things. And the irony of it all is like this passage has been taken out of order. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. The the gospel writer would be annoyed with the skipping around. Mm -hmm. We can guess. But I, I, that cracked me up this time. I haven't really thought about it that way before, but I, I know people who definitely are more comfortable with the story being on paper and, um, codified, you know, and not left up to, the eyewitnesses or the ministers of the word handing down this precious story. Mm-hmm. Like, that's great, but let's get this down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that I also noticed that it's, hmm, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. So he returns to Galilee in the power of the spirit. And we've been hearing about the Holy spirit sort of jumping into the story of Jesus since even before his birth, right? Um, Mary conceives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So this is this is another maybe subplot. If you really wanted to look for the Spirit in the Gospel of Luke, that may be another character to kind of follow the development of. Mm-hmm. And um, and he's also been baptized through the power of the Holy Spirit before this scene. So that's right. That's another thing I noticed. The Spirit is mentioned twice. Mm in this reading yeah and you know sometimes people talk about how the holy spirit is not mentioned enough yeah in scripture yeah here we have him twice right right once in this in the present and once sort of rolling back to old testament stories right yeah what now tell me like your you know I don't want to say understanding because I don't think anyone understands the Holy Spirit. But like, how do you sort of envision the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit for me is God's personal presence. Oh, okay. I like it's, that. It's some. It's um. And when I say that, I I mean His presence in a way that can be felt mm. through. Uh, things of of the earth okay keep going like we might feel his his presence through through wind that blows across our face yeah or might hear his his presence through the rustling of leaves Mm. um so action so sort of like verbs action verbs yeah right yeah that's cool the the warmth we feel from um the sun's rays Mm -hmm. um also, it's it's not just that. It's it's a, a feeling. 
Mm. Um, sometimes I think it's a feeling that, that I get. Oh, that's cool. What does it feel like? Uh, like I'm being roused to do something. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, like I, I feel like I'm being moved in a way mm. by, by a certain, by, by the situation that I find myself in. Yeah. We talked a little bit at Alpha, probably in the opening prayer for the team this week about the spirit, um, the a word for the spirit is pneuma, right? Mm -hmm. That's the Greek, which means breath, right? And I, I think about this more than the average person. I think about how the breath is like fuel for our bodies. Like we think we have to, we have to feed our bodies, but yeah. breath powers us, right? It keeps us functioning and circulating. It's like a, a, a thing that um, we all rely on to to be able to do anything, right? You can't do anything if you can't breathe. Right. And I love that idea of spirit as like a movement of air. Mm -hmm. You can't see it, but you can see the effects of it right. and feel the effects of it. That's very cool. Yeah. I've never, I've never gotten a very. Um, concrete description of the spirit that I liked. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, lots of people have tried to say this is what the spirit is, but I kind of like that it's hard to pin that down. I feel like that's very Holy Spirit to be unpinned down a bull, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. I, I love that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, th I think ultimately the spirit is is indescribable. Mm. Right. We're limited by right. our human language and exactly. experience. Exactly. Uh, did you ever read The Shack or see the movie The Shack? I did. Did you read it or I, see I, it? I, I saw the movie. Oh, you did? Okay. So I read the book and okay. I loved, I, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, I, I loved but it. It was, I loved it was so moving. how the spirit was portrayed there. It's lots of criticism about the book, which we don't have to get into. <laughs> right. And actually, I think it was written by a guy who uh, who had basically was deconstructing his own church experience mm -hmm. for his own reasons. But um, I, re I felt like he did such a good job explaining the spirit in a way that was almost, I mean, it was in text, so I didn't get to see what the visualization oh, of it was. But Oh, I'd love to read what, yeah, it was uh, read really how good. he described spirit yeah i should go back we have to go back that's lost um <clears throat> have you watched lost yet by the way i have not i know this is a, a <laughs> terrible side but you know i've, I've seen a few episodes okay um, back in the day but i it's not a show that i followed regularly okay yeah don't bother listener <laughs> charlie's just done with grad school so we're trying to fill his life <laughs> the gap in his life with tv shows that he should that he hasn't been able to watch and all this time. Anyway, back to the topic. Okay. So, uh, I love this question <laughs> from the beta lesson. Imagine you're in the synagogue that day, right? Mm -hmm. You're just an average Jewish guy and you're there for your regular Sabbath or, or you know, Shabbos gathering with your community and this guy comes back from the desert maybe he's 
a little gamey because he's been out there in the wilderness for 40 days. Um, And he stands up, reads the scripture, and says, today, this scripture passage is fulfilled. And you heard it. You heard it here. Imagine, what do you think that was like to hear in that synagogue? Oh my goodness. Um, I think the first thing that I would have said would be like, excuse me? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are, are you serious? I think that's fair, right? <laughs> right. D- did I just hear <laughs> are you correctly what you just said? kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, I, I do too. I think this was probably startling to someone in the synagogue. Yeah. And it's funny because we, we've heard the story so many times. We do know the background information. We know how this all ends. And we do believe that Jesus fulfills the Old Testament prophecies, right? Right. But um, I think it's important to remember that this was shocking, you know, to people. And that they would be, like, we hear this and we think, oh, this is great. The, script, the, the prophecy is fulfilled with Jesus. This makes everything make sense. Right. But to the people who were there, it might have been a whole different story. Right. Do you have a guess about how they reacted? I, I want to say that they were shocked mm-hmm. and dumbfounded. Mm-hmm. Um, but then <laughs> I go back to, I think it's verse 15. Mm-hmm. And it says he taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. That's true. And this was in Galilee. So it makes you wonder, some of the people in Nazareth must have heard something. Right. Right? Maybe. I guess it depends how much they they had heard. How how fast the news goes, right? Right. Yeah. But at the same time, I I, I feel like the majority of the congregation probably... If they if they had heard anything about Jesus, yeah, they probably would have thought, oh, he's just just another he's, one of those people. He's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Who goes around and so right. This was the first time that they were hearing him in person. Right, right. And and Matt, remember that they're waiting for a Messiah. Right. Yeah. They're oppressed. They're um, by the Romans. They're waiting for a savior. A sort of a military champion to come in and slay the Romans and bring, you know, Israel to vindication. And he does kind of, I mean, the scripture he quotes is something only really, you know, a powerful person can bring. And here's Jesus, who's, let's say, 30, you know, in from fresh in from the desert and in his and in his hometown, right? Mm-hmm. So there's bound to be some skepticism, oh, right? Of course. And it says, uh, "They, uh, the eyes of all in the synagogue, looked intently at him." <laughs> I love that. That's so vivid, oh, right? Wow. Can you picture that? Yeah. So actually, what happens it's after like this story? They're they're studying him, trying to figure, <laughs> like who, trying to decipher. Yeah. Like why is this guy even for real? Yeah. Uh, what actually happens after this is that they chase him out and try to push him off a cliff. <gasps> Isn't that great? 
Well, n- not if you're Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> not if you're Jesus. True. True. Yeah, they did not take this well. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, I. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't. Rem- I I didn't remember that. Isn't bit. it funny how like we retell the story in our head? Yeah. After having hearing it so many times and without that context. Like you can see how, well, really, you can see how people use scripture to support the point they want to make mm-hmm. so easily, right? Because you could read this reading without any of the context and be like, that's so great. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's the. Yeah, although I, I do remember um, hearing about them driving him off a cliff, but mm-hmm. I thought it was just a few passages after this. Yeah, yep. But it's, so it's all. It's all together. part of the story, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I, this is what I love about Beta and MQOA Sunday. Like this, like, oh, that's not at all how I had this in my head. Yeah. There's way more to the story. Yeah. And it also reminds me, there's there's a saying that I, th- I think is grounded um, in Scripture, or mm-hmm. it comes from Scripture, that talks about how... Um, a prophet is mm-hmm. not a prophet in his in his own hometown. Land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No and prophet is believed in his hometown or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so this whole story makes me think of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's Jesus who says that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's it's hard to <laughs> you can't go home again, right? right? Like we go away to college, grad school. We live somewhere else. We come back feeling changed and having grown. Yeah. And something about our hometown or our family that is it's hard for them to see that yeah because we've changed while they have stayed the same <laughs> they've probably I changed mean, they, I'm too sure, right they, they probably changed too but <laughs> <laughs> it's possible <laughs> not, not not in the same ways <laughs> yeah that you know we have changed right right and so you don't it's hard to register that in someone if you haven't seen that you know up close yeah yeah and it and it it even happened to Jesus. Like uh-huh. the celebrities are just like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah, no, that's no that's fascinating to think about. Because then that means that Jesus is just like every one of us who yeah. human. Who leaves mm-hmm. and then comes back. Right. Right. Which I really like personally as a follower of Jesus. I I really need Jesus to be human like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's a failing for me, but it really helps me to understand or to be feel connected to Jesus. If God had decided to reveal God's self to us as a an orange, a beautiful ripe orange that we all sat and looked at. <laughs> I would not have the same relationship with God that I do because of Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you say that again? <laughs> this <is> good. <laughs> My point here is God chose to be human for us because I think because God knew we speak human, you know, right. we we can't envision the Holy Spirit. We can't envision God, but we can have this like visual aid of what God is like by looking at Jesus. 
and we can enter into a relationship with Jesus, which we couldn't do if if what he decided to be was like a tree or <laughs> the sun or, you know, some other beautiful yeah. thing, some golden thing. Oh, that's a that's a fascinating metaphor <laughs> to think of Jesus as the, the visual aid for God. Yeah. 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 Some. I mean, not metaphor, but like literally right. <laughs> the yeah. visual aid for God. Right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. If I. I think they say in Alpha, if you if we want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if we want to understand what a life looks like following God faithfully, look at Jesus's life. Mm-hmm. Gosh, we could talk about this. We could go off on another tangent. We could. I'm trying not <laughs> to. I'm trying not to. Yes, no, with me, you, you might go on several <laughs> we tangents. Could, we could be here for 40, <laughs> 50, 60, 70 minutes, but we won't do that, listener. Don't panic. Um, what do you know about Isaiah? Do you know, do you remember anything about Isaiah? The book or the prophet? Uh, yeah, I remember several things about Isaiah. Because he's, refer- he's reading from Isaiah here. Yeah. That's where we... we hear about the suffering servant mm-hmm. that's right this is connected to that yeah looks right? like it right yeah. yeah yeah this is from uh 61 so later in the in the book isaiah is a, a prof- one of the prophetic books of the old testament mm-hmm. books of the prophets it tells the story of isaiah speaking god's truth to a king um prophet's that's the kind of definition of prophecy is to tell the truth to power or people in position of power. And we kind of think of prophecy as like predicting the future. Like I prophesy it's going to be cold next week, but really prophecy is about truth and about um, calling people back to their mission So it's not a future thing. It's really a present thing. And the prophets in the Old Testament were talking specifically to people in their own time. They weren't talking to the future. Oh. Yeah. That's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. But Jesus here is saying what Isaiah said is actually fulfilled. I'm fulfilling that story. When he said this would happen, I'm that. So he is making some pretty bold statements he is. to a group of people who would know their scripture, right? These are right. faithful Jews who are going to synagogue. So they've, this is not the first time they've heard this story, this quote from Isaiah, but this will be a challenging teaching of it. Yeah, no, that's fascinating to me because usually we associate uh, prophecy mm-hmm. with a future event. Right. But he's being prophetic in the moment right he's saying this prophecy is yeah is happening now yeah yeah and not just that he's 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 when he says because he has anointed me uh anointing being an anointed Mm -hmm. that reminds us that kings and priests were anointed so he's right he's he's claiming himself right He's he's claiming yeah himself that he is priest prophet and king right right yeah. it's cool <laughs> right it's really cool yeah 
He, I love this because this, this, he's basically standing up and saying, and claiming this identity for himself. He's saying, here's who I am. Here's what I'm going to be doing. Um, he understands his mission pretty clearly, if you believe this version of it, right? And he's basically saying, here's my job description. Do, do you identify with Jesus as far as knowing your calling? Like, could you stand up and say, I'm Charlie. Here's what I'm going to do with this calling. I think I have a general sense of, of my calling. Yeah. How do you know? How do I know? Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, right now, working uh, as a minister here at Mary Queen of the Apostles, it it feels like this is where I'm supposed to be right now in this moment. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. There's, it's, it's a, I guess it's a feeling of consolation. What do you mean? What I mean, <laughs> um, that I don't, necessarily feel any like animosity right now by the fact that i'm here (laughs) (laughs) do you mean no one's like get out (laughs) right (laughs) okay so um i don't know i i think hmm, have i fulfilled entirely what i'm called to do i i don't i don't know yet i hope not (laughs) yeah. <laughs> right because that's oh that's so sad if you're done yeah no 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 i don't think you're done and and hmm, i don't know yeah this is i have to think about this yeah that's some okay. more that's okay uh, that's we like to inspire people to kind of have something to chew on after these conversations yeah. but i love that jesus is like claiming that identity as his own mm-hmm. he i'm guessing doesn't know that he actually is going to recover sight to the blind, right? He is actually going to free the oppressed. He actually is. Oh, I should tell you that the the word for free there, which is um, a Greek word for release. That's where is that? To let the oppressed go free. Um, the Greek word is aphesis, and the translation as the translation for the Hebrew for Jubilee. Have you heard of a Jubilee year? Yeah. What do you know about Jubilee? Uh, a Jubilee year happened every uh, every X amount of years. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, like 50 years. 25, I th- oh, think. 20. Okay. 25, okay. That's a good question. I think 25. Yeah. And it was, it was a year where kind of uh, everything started over. Yeah. Oh, man. He started from zero again. And everybody was given a second chance. Mm -hmm. Um, Debts were forgiven. Mm -hmm. And like uh, harvests were were shared with everybody. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was almost like a a rebirth. Reboot. Here we go. Reboot. You know, we still do Jubilees. 
Ju- we we recognize the Jubilee year in the church. We did in yeah. the year 2000. And we will, I think the next one is 2025. Yeah. And oh, the, but there was also a Jubilee year of mercy. There was, I think that was, what was that? That was in 2000. There was sort of, it was 14, sort 15? of an unexpected one. It, yeah. Right. It was sort of like, I'm, I'm just declaring this a Jubilee year. <laughs> the Pope did. Yeah. Um, but our next regularly scheduled one, 2025. Oh. And the church does encourage us to use those years to receive blessings mm-hmm. um in rome there's they designate specific doors in churches there that if you walk through the doors on a jubilee year you receive extra special blessings wow yeah oh that's so cool isn't that neat and we still we probably i'm guessing we'll do jubilee doors um around the archdiocese of boston when that comes back Oh, I hope we're designated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wouldn't uh, that be cool? As a place with jubilee doors. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I I, I like the idea of a jubilee. Imagine, right? Imagine the, the, the word from God that says, just f- set people free. Release them from debt. And by the way, in the Our Father, we say, forgive us our debts, right? Right, and that's sort of referring back to that feeling of jubilee that that God sets captives free and releases us from our debt mm-hmm. and forgives us. It's very cool, little tie in there, right? Yeah. So no, it's and I see it now. It's it's clear to me that's what he's talking about in that last line, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Bam! There it <laughs> is. Yeah. And that's why he's he's listed all these things. Yeah. Prior to that, saying you will you will know or you know now because these things right are happening or these will are the ha- signs will yes happen. yeah yep so wow. cool um i want to loop back a little bit to this kind of calling this sort of mic drop moment he literally <laughs> for, you know claims his identity tells everyone his job description and then he rolls up the scroll hands it back to the attendant and sits down which i I don't know if those movements mean anything in particular <laughs> in the like in the context of synagogue, how that works or uh-huh. whether he was just literally sort of mic dropping like boom, <laughs> you know, I, like, I love that image. <laughs> I, do too. I do too. Like here, I'm done with this. Take this. I'm going to have a seat. It is so confident. Right. And um, <laughs> to me, What's interesting about that is that we're told over and over again that the reason Jesus came was so that we could be forgiven from sins, right? Came to die so that we could be forgiven. So like we're taught over and over that Jesus was born in order to die in sort of like trade for the sins, on our hearts yeah. right oh that's that's what i heard all the time yeah growing up yeah officially and called what substitutionary atonement yeah right that jesus was put in place of our sins like instead of us being punished mm-hmm. jesus took the punishment and that's why we can go to heaven that's what we're we're all taught that's pretty basic yeah christianity and, and i think even more so in, in the south really you hear this language of atonement more mm. in i think 
Protestant churches, mm -hmm. especially evangelical churches. Yeah. And it's, uh, people would always say, Jesus died for your sins. Right. <laughs> Jesus died for your sins so you could go to heaven, so you could yeah. be saved. Yeah. And, yeah, it's... Uh, but mm. this does not seem what to be what Jesus says he's come for. Right? Yeah. Like, he's not talking about any kind of substituting for punishment. He's not talking about punishment at all, is mm -hmm. he? He's not talking about consequences of sin at all in this statement. Right? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free. This is not substitutionary atonement. No, it doesn't, it's not. Right? And this is how, if we believe this, Jesus understood his mission. Yeah, no, this is fascinating because I think I've always struggled with the, the idea of atonement. Yeah. And... I think, you know, my, my theological studies helped me to kind of move, move past that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, think more broadly about how we're saved. Right. Right. And Isn't it wild that like, basically in this story, let's just look at Luke alone. Mm -hmm. Jesus has been foretold. The Holy Spirit has been upon him. He's been baptized. The God said, or the voice of someone said, this is my son. You know, believe him. He's, he stood up in front of his own people and said, here's my job. Here's what I'm here for. This is my identity. Mm -hmm. How did we get to Jesus died for yours? <laughs> you know, like where... Where did we go wrong? Like, where did that story change? That's, uh, that's a good question. I think... Or why? Like, why would we not choose this version of the yeah. story? I, 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 <laughs> answer me, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can answer that in the next, like, 30 minutes. Or, no. no. Um, but I think part of it has to do with um, our Jewish heritage. Oh, you and think? And th this idea of, of sa sacrifice mm -hmm. and how the the Israelites were were held captive yep. and but then delivered from Egypt by God. But in in order for that to happen, mm -hmm. they had to sacrifice a lamb. Yeah. Okay. And because. Because so they were that, like, "That's how this is how this works." Yeah, that's how Passover right? happened, mm -hmm. and then um, so th th that I think that's where th this idea of substitutionary atonement originates. Maybe, and, yeah. <laughs> and so I think it was it's it's hard for us to let go of that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's definitely true. Like even the people in front of them, this should have been very good news for them, mm -hmm. right? But they're like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not how we envision this working, mm -hmm. right? One of the quotes in the lesson 
plan for this says liberation can be a hard message to hear in a comfortable congregation. Economic justice doesn't sound like good news if you're upper middle class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do think, um, wow. yeah, like this version of our Messiah is too easy. It's like too free. And, and our humanity means we think, notice this has to be harder, right? Like it can't be right that everything is just all set. Like the, everyone's just going to be free and released. What's the catch? Like there's gotta be a way <laughs> that I can control this narrative a little bit more. I don't know. I think that is a human thing, right? Oh, that, so you're saying you think across the years, uh, certain members of the church decided to kind of um, cater the, the narrative mm-hmm. to, I guess, a, cer- a certain way of, of thinking about all this. Yeah, I think, I could be wrong about this, listener, you'll have to Google this, but I think substitutionary atonement was um, Anselm, St. Anselm. Yeah. He was the one who kind of titled that and, and wrote about that. And um And then it was Abelard who who later came really? and said, mm, I don't think you have it exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. It's you know, it's yeah. It's a little bit more complicated than that. It's a little bit more nuanced <laughs> than that. <laughs> nuanced that's a better word. Because <laughs> I think Saint Anselm was complicating it. Yes, where, yeah. Whereas Abelard was saying, it's not, it's not that complicated. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I think, like, as a people, we have a hard time with things not being complicated. Like, mm-hmm. we complicate things and we make things, we codify things, just like Luke here. Like, it's not, it's great that we're all telling the story, but let's put it in order. Yeah. Let's write it down so no one can change the story from here on out right like (laughs) already like from the get-go a human is like no 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 this is too good this is too dangerously beautiful Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah like if we get just forgive everyone's debts like how's that gonna work if we release the captives that's that's impractical like no they have to they have to pay for their their crime. But God's way is not our way. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Thank it's, God. It, thank God. <laughs> especially when it when it especially when it comes to God's mercy. Right. Yeah. Gosh, there's, there's, I mean, there's, there's so, sorry, there's so much going on. I know. Here. And <laughs> I, know. I know. I feel like we've barely scratched the surface, barely scratched the surface of this reading. Because right. it's easy, it's, you know, sorry, I, I think it goes back to what you were saying, how there's this human um, tendency to control things yeah. and to define things our own way. Yeah and even even salvation mm-hmm. and to st- and and to say that this is how salvation works yeah yeah but the thing is 
Only God knows how salvation works. Right? You feel, though, that, like, the anxiety that pricks up, right? Like, if only God knows how salvation works, then what am I supposed to do? Like, am I supposed to be good? Am I supposed to be good most of the time? Am I already good enough? Like, <laughs> we want to know, like, what? How? how does this work for me? Like, I think it's a human urge Mm -hmm. to have a plan or to have a checklist, Mm -hmm. you know, but this is why actually following Christ, believing Jesus's words is hard work because it's easier to just check off a checklist. It's easier to know the 10 commandments and follow them Mm -hmm. than it is to say, liberation, forgiveness, freedom, mercy to everyone. That's why we need a God, right? Because we're bad at this stuff. Right. And because and when we start talking about checklists, then it makes uh, Jesus's death and resurrection look like a transaction. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's, it's his passion, death and resurrection was so much more than that. Yeah. But it and makes it manageable for us, right? Yeah. Oh, this happened because this happened. That mm-hmm. makes sense. And I, th- I think that word passion, that people think that people tend to only apply it to the suffering that Jesus experienced right before his death. Yeah. But I think passion, that word can be applied to his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie, should we just go on for another hour? I can't. No, no. (laughs) But um, listener, I hope this has been the most formless conversation I think we've had in MQOA um, (laughs) Sunday history. I don't know. Like it's really hard to land this plane because Mm -hmm. it is so vast and so uncontrollable. This overwhelming engulfing love and mercy of God as explained to us in Jesus's own words and self-description. It's just, this is our whole life story is trying to grapple with that truth, that gift that Mm -hmm. Jesus gave us, that God gave us through Jesus and continues to give us. So I hope listener that this is at least like kicked off some wonderings in your mind and encouraged you to rethink the things that you were taught about who Jesus is and about how God works and receive the mercy and the freedom, the liberation that God is offering you today. (laughs) How's that? Is that good? Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before we go, we're going to hear from Father Murray, who's our pastor. That's right. He'll be uh, giving his like a short version of his Sunday homily. Mm -hmm. So let's hear that now. Good morning. As we come to celebrate the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, Uh, in the beginning of the gospel today, Luke tells us, the great gospel writer Luke tells us that he has carefully uh, investigated using all the different books that he could find and all the different resources he could find to tell us the story of Jesus, to convince us and the the hearers of his time of who Jesus is and what it means for him, what it means for us to believe in him, the whole story of his life. So too does Jesus in the gospel today 
unroll the scroll, one of the preserved written books of the, in the time of Jesus in order to read from the Torah, the great five books of the uh, beginning of the Bible. And so Jesus explains to us uh, and, and explains to them and to all of us the great story now of what he has come to do. The, the story that's written down, the record, and Jesus uh, instructs us this day, this week, on how, what, he is, what he is going to do and then what that means for us and then how we might also live out that, that same instruction. And it's an opportunity for us to remember that we are called to be people, we're people of the book. We're called to read the Bible, to reflect upon it, to allow it to, uh, to form us and inform us of the great story of God and his desire to be with us, to be with his people in this very specific way in his written word that again informs our hearts and minds and souls and strengths. And so this day as we go forward, we might reflect on how much we read the Bible, how much we know the Bible. And if uh, we find ourselves saying, I actually don't know it very well at all, today is the day to begin to reflect with Jesus and to remember that what he's done, what he's come to do is to, uh, to free us, to strengthen us, to assure us of God's healing love for us, of his forgiving love for us, and then has given us the great grace and the great call to go out and share that message by the way we, by the way we live, by the things we say and do, uh, with the help of the Lord and for all of our neighbors and brothers and sisters. And God bless you this Sunday. And we're back. Indeed, we are. Charlie, any last thoughts on this mess of a gospel that we have been digging into? Any takeaways for you? Takeaways? I think the the idea of Jubilee, mm. which I think is inseparable from the idea of, of putting your faith in action. Yeah. 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 Especially as we read it in, in the scroll that Jesus reads and this idea of knowing your vocation. Yeah. And vocation means that you're called to, to do something. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's uh, For me, the takeaway, I'm thinking, if this is how Jesus describes his job as Messiah. I wonder if we should be thinking of it as the job description of his church. You know, like maybe it isn't about, I don't know, doing everything right or following all the rules or making sure every step is covered, but really is about bringing glad tidings to the poor and releasing the captives and healing and giving mercy to people what does it mean for the church if what our job is is to do this you know mm-hmm. i'm gonna be i think i'm gonna be thinking about that a lot this week yeah yeah me too I'm, this is it, it's almost like a um, a mini creed in yeah a way. yeah yep here's who we are yeah this is what we do it's like a combination between the creed and and Catholic social teaching. Yeah, that's true. Charlie, don't get us started on another sidetrack. Good <laughs> Lord, we'll be here for a week. And it's cold in the studio. Uh-huh. 
It so, is. <laughs> so, listener, we are going to release you from our captivity and um, set you out into the world to to give this reading some thought and also to just go ahead and see what God is calling you to. See if you have found a church that is following this job description. If you haven't, then we welcome you to ours. Our church here in Salem, Massachusetts is centered around the Eucharist with Jesus at our center, Christ at our center. And we focus on offering welcome and healing to everyone we can in every way we can. So if you're looking for a spiritual home, we invite you to try it out. Come and join us. And if you're far from here and can't come here physically to be with us, we hope you'll come back again next week and join us at the kitchen table. Charlie, thank you so much. Thank you. I guess before we go, Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, in the spirit of this gospel, we should probably do a plug for, um, what's it called that we're doing? (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean Alpha? Oh, do you mean this financial life series? Yes, that. You know, that's a great point. We <laughs> we are just about to offer our first financial life series, which is basically what it is. It's like six weeks um, through a program that's called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not, which is so promising to me. I love this. <laughs> but we have a great teacher who's going to teach everyone just the basics of financial life, getting your financial life together. And figuring out how you can make your money serve your purpose in the world. So that's, yeah, that's starting January 24th, I believe. It's in person at our church at Immaculate Conception. And you can find out more, listener, at our website, mqoa.org slash financial life. Right. Yeah. It's a little limited for size, so do register ahead of time if you can. Half of our staff is taking up some of the slots so <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> everyone i'm excited about it yeah I, I think it's gonna be a way um to kind of free ourselves from mm-hmm. this men, men this consumer mentality yeah which tells us how w- that we're supposed to you know spend our money in a certain way yeah the pr- it's a lot of pressure yeah. getting your dealing with your financial life and sometimes we can be ruled by our finances mm-hmm. and this series i think promises to get us started in ruling our financial situation rather than being ruled by it so right that's, yeah. that's i love that i think it's going to be really cool so yeah. yeah listener if you're looking for financial liberation if you're looking for our freedom from debt literally yes yeah join us that's a great thanks for pulling that in charlie yeah. That's why you're so good at this. Yeah, I, I, that's why I'm here. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, thanks for joining us. Come back next week. And Charlie, thank you. Thank you, Margo. All right. God All bless. Right. Bye, y'all. MQA Sunday is brought to you by Mary Queen of the Apostles Parish, located in the historic city of Salem, Massachusetts. Your hosts are Margo Morin, Pastor Associate, and Seaman Antonio, the Director of Family Engagement. The show is recorded in Salem, Massachusetts, and edited by the staff of MQOA. The beta lesson is written by Margo Morin. Find out more about Mary Queen of the Apostles Parish on our website, mqoa.org.